0: Real news and real stories covering topics from the worlds of science, sports, and space. It's all the information you need to weatherproof your life. And now here's the host of Everything Under the Sun. AccuWeather Meteorologist, Dean DeVore. Friends, welcome in to this episode of Everything Under the Sun. It is dropping here smack dab in the middle of our AccuWeather Tornado Week, which we are going to be providing over the next few days. Never-before-seen glimpses at a day in the life of storm chasers who hunt the most powerful and destructive storms on Earth. We'll also have incredible survivor stories, and our top experts will break down what goes into predicting tornadoes, why Tornado Alley has moved, and what that means, and the implications, and why... The normal tornado seasons are changing, too. One of the reasons we got so much great information here at AccuWeather.com is because we have one of the preeminent storm chasers working for us, Reed Timmer. And he's going to join me next to talk about his top five storm chases and also how he goes about preparing and getting ready for these chases over a series of days. Sit back and relax, friends. It's time to talk about everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com. Extreme meteorologist Reed Timmer has been chasing tornadoes for decades. He's witnessed firsthand some of the most dangerous twisters since his career started as a storm chaser, as a freshman at the University of Oklahoma. He's on the road and trying to get to a tornado. Uh, He's pulled off the road for a little bit to talk to us. It is great to welcome Reed Timmer into everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com. You know, we were talking, Reed, I don't think you have been on Everything Under the Sun since I started hosting it a few years ago. I know, I think in the very original iteration of this podcast you were on, but amazing work that you do working for us here at AccuWeather and uh, over the years. And I just wanted to spend time with you as we get ready for Tornado Week. Just posted on AccuWeather.com as this podcast is dropping in the last uh, 24 hours here on Midweek Wednesday, your five greatest tornado chasing stories. And I know you have way more than that, but let's just talk about the labor of love that is storm chasing. I mean, we know the inherent dangers. We've seen the tragedies over the years in terms of folks uh, getting caught in that. Some people look at storm chasers and say that they're really egotistical and just trying to fly in the face of danger. Others of us look at storm chasers giving us data and information that we could not get without them. So sometimes I would think as a person looking at their own personal safety and the responsibility that you have to yourself and to others and what you're trying to do, there's a lot of times where you kind of go back and forth and say, is this something I really want to do or is this something that I think I'm in too much danger? Does that come up in your thinking at times as you think about a day in a storm chase?
1: No, I feel really comfortable around storms. It's all I've ever done. And I know the storm structure. I know the up-close storm structure and tornadoes as well. I know what they're going to do. I can anticipate when they touch down. So I'm never really afraid of of chasing tornadoes. It's kind of purely in my comfort zone and our comfort zone as well. And I see storm chasers not as these egotistical adrenaline junkies that a lot of people see them. I see storm chasers as the most passionate of the weather enthusiasts, the most passionate scientists and meteorologists out there, because we're willing to come out here, you know, and, you know, risk our savings, our, you know, everything on the line just to witness weather and witness the science firsthand and also to report uh, the tornadoes happening and to warn people in the path of these storms and to see Mother Nature in the field. And, you know, we go through a lot out here. You know, you're, you're not sleeping very much, you're eating gas station burritos, you're not eating a lot of fiber when you're out here. And so you definitely do kind of put it all on the line. And, and I see storm chasers as the most passionate and also most skilled of the meteorologists and weather enthusiasts out there. I mean, we have communication skills, we have technical skills, video editing, programming, we have science skills, we could build sensors, we fly drones. You know, we have we're Part 107 certified. We're at, on social media, we're experts at delivering reports, you know, to the public and to the, uh, you know, we do weather briefings all the time. And so I see storm chasers as the most passionate, most caring. Sector out there of our meteorological community.
0: What is the most dangerous part in terms of you say you're comfortable around the storm? are you comfortable around people that like to chase storms that aren't as professional as you and may actually cause you problems? I mean, is that something you're running into more and more out on the storm chasing trail?
1: Yeah, and I definitely am a a little more concerned about the, the human than I am the storm, of course, you know, and out here driving, it can be a little bit dangerous when you're out hydroplaning and everything, the other drivers, and it's definitely extreme when you're around the tornadoes. But when I'm underneath them as a cyclone and a little bit closer range to the tornado, the good news is that the crowd does thin out a little bit when you get a little closer, because you know, a lot of times it's better to be a safe distance away from the tornado. And I know that safety has definitely come up quite a bit this year because storm chasers have been getting hit by tornadoes out there and everything. And, I do see that as a little bit of a a disrespect of the art form of up-close storm chasing too, an interpretation of storm structure when you're up close, because it it really can be dangerous when you're up close to these tornadoes, because they they are capable of producing winds, maybe even approaching the speed of sound inside the sub-vortices that are on, on smaller scales that rotate around inside of the tornado. So they're very dangerous. You have to know what you're doing, and it is best to stay back when you're storm chasing Or go with someone that knows what they're doing, going with a veteran storm chaser. So... These are the Ridge Riders here. This is Cannon and Connor, and they're kind of the bright stars of the future of storm chasing. And so we're out here, punching through hail cores. We just blew apart our windshield a little bit. Is that on the
0: expense account? Uh, No, I'm not on the expense account. Oh, look at that. I I mean, friends, now this is only audio podcast. So um, he's turning the camera around and what I'm seeing is a windshield that is just, uh, it looks like, uh, you know how an ice skating rink after guys have skated on it and it's got all these cracks and that's what his his windshield looks like it's just it's shredded you're right but it's at least it's intact so that's going for you you've been doing this read for 25 years let's go into your top five and again this is on accuweather.com your top five storm chases you were a freshman at the University of Oklahoma, May 99, your number five storm chase was a tornado in Moore, Oklahoma. Give me a little kind of highlight about that.
1: Certainly. And the top five most memorable, a lot of those were our science deployments, too, because we put so much work into the sensor launches and the Dominator vehicles. Some of the, the top five that that, or that weren't included in the top five were definitely some of the most memorable, like the Ray Colorado tornado as well. But that very first one on May 3rd, 1999, that was kind of my first F5 that I'd ever seen. So my first tornado happened a, a little bit before that during the fall. It was October 4 of 1998, a really significant fall outbreak in Oklahoma, the, the biggest in, in fall uh, history in Oklahoma. And then that spring, I was still a freshman, and we had finals week. And Ooh, yeah. May 3rd, 99 came around. I had a calculus exam. I had to hurry through the, the exam. Left the exam. We're blasting west. Five of us freshmen hopped in a soft top Geo Tracker. And we're, our target was initially Altus along the dry line, but that storm fired along a, a moist convective roll kind of way ahead of the dry line. And we were just cruising west and you just see this huge explosion of a supercell with news helicopters flying around it. And then about 20 minutes later, we saw the first tornado touchdown of that family near Cyril Oklahoma. And then uh, right after that, the next cycle was another tornado. And then a cycle after that was the F5. And we ended up, losing touch of the tornado and next thing we know we find ourselves in the path of it and I got the bright idea to abandon the vehicle and all of us ran underneath an overpass and there was a family that was freaking out underneath the overpass and uh, we you know watched the tornado approach and this is an example of me being not really knowing how to get close to tornadoes and I almost got myself in trouble and could have got rolled as well so there definitely is kind of a four to six year learning curve I think with storm chasing and getting close to them and That was an example where we easily could have lost our lives from that tornado. And it was also the first time that we experienced the dark side that these tornadoes leave behind, kind of the damage and everything and loss of life. And we came through Moore, Oklahoma, right after that overpass incident and sadly saw a lot of the damage. Uh, out there firsthand so. 600
0: people injured 36 killed as a result of that tornado um yeah that must have been uh being in one of the first tornadoes that you ever saw and then one of the strongest ever recorded in history that's a, a pretty amazing thing your number four uh we fast forward four years manchester south dakota june 4th 2003 this was an f4 that destroyed the community of manchester south dakota talk about that a little bit
1: yeah that was a, a another tornado that showed deviant motion so similar to about three to four days ago in cole oklahoma that was also a tornado that did a hard left turn and so i was north of that tornado i did a hook slice maneuver where you go in through the rear of the storm you punch through the hook crane and you look off to the south and you often see a really high contrast tornado and you can kind of anticipate that left turn that's why I like to work the northwest quadrant of the tornado because if you get a flat tire or something, the you just allow the tornado to move away from to you. move as away
0: from thing. you, like do its motion, do the work, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Almost like a little shimmy, you know, in your northwest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just like a left-hand turn. You just yeah, pull out the red curtain and you know, let it move on. But that Manchester tornado did that left-hand turn and it was a large wedge, illuminated bright orange by the sun behind it. And that one was also memorable because Tim Samaras, a, a late pioneer of our science passed me on the left-hand side as we were backing up away from that tornado and he charged into the path and then deployed his turtle probes in the path of the Manchester tornado and he recorded the world record pressure fall of close to 100 millibars. wow!
0: This is the stuff that if you have a negative view of a storm chaser, that's the kind of stuff that should hopefully change your mind because that's an amazing thing to be able to capture that. I mean, we kind of knew that was happening, but now we actually captured it at that point and that becomes uh, invaluable to us as meteorologists. Let's jump ahead to number 3, Philadelphia, Mississippi, April 27, 2011. Why is this the third most memorable uh in terms of uh, that was part what of a 4-day stretch, right, of tornadoes if I remember, from Texas to New York that was a a really bad stretch of tornadic activity, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. And it was three days, too. There was April 25th, 26th, 27th. And that period, too, was during the most active month in recorded history in the U.S., April of 2011, with over 700 tornadoes. And during the super outbreak, you had uh, over 300 tornadoes contributed to that active month of April. And it was also an EF5 tornado. So that was my second EF5 that I'd ever seen. And the Philadelphia Mississippi tornado was unique because it was so powerful that it dug a trench in the ground. That was two feet deep and about two hundred yards wide. Wow, pretty long too. So, yeah, Dr. Fujita theorized that tornadoes could be that powerful to be capable of of digging a trench in the ground, and that was the first time that I had seen you'd such actually
0: a- ever seen that. Yeah, and and also because of sometimes the way the geography is where a tornado goes over doesn't allow that to actually happen because of the way the the ground is in something. But that, that that's amazing. We go to number two, June 7, thousand nine, and this features a a, a vehicle that read modify and he calls the dominator talk about the dominator and that chase in aurora nebraska june 17 2009
1: yeah that was what we were doing storm chasers the series back in the day and the dominator one was our first vehicle that we built to get up close to tornadoes initially they were just designed to get up close into the outer circulation and collect data and deploy sensors that other people couldn't safely collect but we gradually morphed it into just intercepting the tornado outright. And I think a lot of that was because of storm chasers that was happening and the other armored vehicles that were out there too. But that was one of our first intercepts. And we had all kinds of science equipment mounted on the roof. We had a radar that pointed straight up that measured the updrafts and downdrafts from inside of the tornado. We had our sensors back then that, The technology wasn't quite at the point where we could really track those sensors to long range. So we lost a lot of the miniaturized sensors that we deployed into tornadoes. But we also had a drone with a 15-foot wingspan that we were dropping parachute probes out of. And that was at the same time we had them outside of the storm dropping parachute probes into it. Meanwhile, our goal was to intercept the tornado directly and measure the wind speeds inside of the tornado to try to get that complete picture of the surrounding uh, environment and the tornado inside And that was the first time that we had gotten directly inside of a a pretty strong tornado. It was rated EF2, and we measured a wind speed of 138.8 miles per hour. We measured the vertical winds in the radar as well, and also had a meetup with uh, Tim Samaras just uh, after intercepting that tornado. But that was just after we measured our strongest wind speed of 155 miles an hour up in southeastern Wyoming. But I think that this tornado was more intense because it was a multiple vortex tornado and we sampled one of those sub vortices and it also strengthened while the dominator was inside. But I think it's the most memorable just because finally this science mission that we had dumped our entire life savings into up until that event uh, finally worked, at least to some level. It really took another... 10 years after that, before we finally got a sensor to work inside of a tornado. And that was the 2019 one where we launched the rocket into the EF-4.
0: Speaking of uh, strengthening tornadoes, that is uh, something that happened with the number one on the series uh, list of, that Reed gives of his top five tornado chases this is May twenty eighth, two thousand thirteen, Mennington, Kansas, and it became uh, memorable because it grew to uh, about a half a mile wide. This tornado was on the ground what for an hour or so, and it was just well. You say that you were lucky to survive that tornado.
1: Yeah, that one was basically stationary. It did a little figure eight pattern out in the field there. And I think it's one of the most powerful tornadoes that I've ever seen. Initially, it was rated an EF5 and then it was downgraded to EF3 just because of the damage indicators there. But we were deploying sensors along a barbed wire fence and in the path of that tornado. We ran about a quarter mile to the west, and I had a shoulder-mounted air cannon, and we shot some sensors into that tornado. But the Dominators were supposed to come pick us up after that, and they didn't make it. So we had to run all the way back, and I almost had the big one that day, I think. My heart was beating pretty rapidly, and I definitely have had to focus on the physical fitness since that moment. But it was just a crazy, powerful memorable tornado and it sat in one spot the whole time so i think that that's part of a tornado that's overlooked is how long the residence time of the winds over any given point definitely contribute to damage so if you have a stationary tornado or if you have one moving at 60 miles an hour i think that they have very different impacts on the ground and those stationary tornadoes that just plant in the great plains i think are definitely
0: unique and that would be a nice topic for another conversation that we have i think about I think people that don't deal with tornadoes all the time have different things and they don't actually know exactly what the impacts are and there's different types, but that's certainly something. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to just uh, go over with you briefly... How you plan your day, how you plan your series of days, because as we said, a couple of these uh, that you chased that were in their top five lists were actually part of a series of days, two, three, four days of an outbreak and do that. And you're going to start driving again, too, which could be fun because you need to catch up to a tornado here today. We'll come back and talk to Reed Timmer. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Whether you're at home getting ready for work, packing the kids' lunch, or commuting, listen to AccuWeather Daily, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and you'll get the top trending weather story of the day, every day. And welcome back to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. I'm your host, meteorologist Dean DeVore. As we commemorate Tornado Week here at AccuWeather, and we're talking with our preeminent storm chaser, Reed Timmer, who's been with us. We just went over his top five Tornado storm chases, which you can read about on AccuWeather.com, and I want to spend just a couple of minutes because, Reed, you're you're really. I mean, this is. I'm not. Making this up as we're talking, you're driving, you're trying to intercept a tornado today. As we drop this on Wednesday, April 26th, where, where are you trying to get to uh, here this this afternoon for a tornado?
1: We're trying to get to just west of the DFW Metroplex. So we had a big hail day yesterday, great fruit size hail, and it shattered our windshield and, and ripped the windshield wipers off. So we're trying to get down to Abilene and then we'll get a new set of windshield wipers. And we think there's a threat of a strong tornado or two moving into the DFW Metroplex even toward evening, maybe a little bit to the south of there. That's where we're trying to, to head today, that enhanced risk.
0: Let's take a look quickly of how you do this in terms of planning. Obviously, we can pretty much identify at AccuWeather and other forecasting situations. We can identify days in advance when we're likely to see severe weather outbreaks what do you do? What do you look? Do you look at that forecast, and then do you start making a plan of where you'd like to be on a given day in that series, and then where you'd like to be on day two, and those kinds of things? How much preparation? What are some of the kinds of things you look at? Give us kind of a a, a paragraph overview of how you plan what you do.
1: Yeah, well, definitely in the mid and long range, I, I, I'm definitely a, a guru kind of on the shape of the troughs as they eject from the mountain west and across the plains. Do they have a lot of flow around the backside? Is that flow on the backside has already pivoted around the base of the trough. Do you have a classic ski jump configuration. Of course, I'm a big kinematics guy too and in how the wind fields really sculpt these supercells and make it possible for them to produce tornadoes and I'm a big uh, forecaster of low level wind shear and kind of relating the shapes of the ejecting trough to how robust uh, the low level jet's going to be and how large the warm sector will be as well and try to use pattern recognition a lot over the last you know, 27 years to kind of see how similar is this to previous setups that I've chased and what ended up happening. And did I end up targeting an outflow boundary or further west or further east along a warm front? So I factor in all those variables in the days leading up. And then you start using the new convective allowing models, which can be as much of your enemy as your friend, I think. By, yeah,
0: right. Uh, I, trust me. Every day, the the models can be your enemy and your friend. You just have to learn when which which days they're in that mode, right?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. And I, I think you know, getting to the target is another thing that you just got to get to the target area. You need to rest. I, I do a lot of exercise because you get a lot of cortisol buildup, you know, and stress hormone that you have to burn off too. So you have to try to keep a level head out there and. You do eat a lot of gas station burritos out on the road, so you kind of have to, you know, co- compensate for that too a little bit. Maybe exercise more, or, and you're doing all kinds chasing,
0: of you're doing all kinds of maintenance, like you said. You got to replace your windshield wipers today, so you're not having to stick your head out the window, which wouldn't be good when you're driving down. Driving down, and these uh, the hailstones are at you. Um, you're also trying to make sure that the vehicle is in a good spot to be ready to get you to safety if you need that. Right. So there's it's it's a lot. It's it's not only looking at the weather and planning ahead, making sure your equipment and your vehicle and the people around you are in a safe position. It's a lot of responsibility, Reed. I, I gotta hand that to you. I, I for doing it this many years. It's amazing to me that you can be calm, but you know, I think that's with anybody that's good at what they do. If they're if they know what they do, it, it, it is easier to be calm. But just talk a little bit well, about calm some of the strong
1: word. I don't know if I'm, I'm very. I, 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 I usually <laughs> yeah. get pretty excited now close to the tornadoes. <laughs> I am calm every other time. you know, Yeah, I, else, I, so. I
0: think it's it's how people in stressful situations manage that. You know, and and I think you know, with me, with experiences and talking with large crowds and and you in this situation, I think after you do that for a while, you kind of hone your craft in that way. Um, What do you want to talk to us about here in the last moment or two about to the average person, what it means to them, the things that you and your colleagues storm chasing do, and maybe kind of wrapping that what we talked about up in a bow a little bit about the kind of the, you know, most of us got into the storm chasing idea with, Twister, right? You know, that was the one that the movie that kind of got people to know what a little bit was storm, chase, even though it was glamorized. So kind of take where a lot of people may be not knowing the ins and outs, maybe have learned more today and just a couple of things that you want to pass along about what you do and why it's important.
1: Yeah, I would love to kind of talk about the art form of the close range tornado intercept and the hook slice maneuver and punching through that rain and the hail that wraps around the backside of the storm and kind of using that approach and your knowledge of where the storm's moving, how it's evolving. So if you get a flat tire out there, you just stop and that's a valid escape route. And kind of I like to work the northwest quadrant of the tornado and kind of let it pass a little bit from Right to left, but there's a, it's a, there's also an art form kind of in the long distance storm chasing, and, and it's also a science out here too, forecasting the weather. And you know, there's no better sensor than your eyes out there to, to record data and see what's happening when you're seeing those storms. And I think you know, even videography is becoming a very valid science with drones and with multiple angles on the ground. You can use photogrammetry to assess just really how strong these tornadoes are. But I think in in, in closing, I definitely just want to say that storm chasers are passionate meteorologists that care about the people in the path of these storms and also love what we do a lot, you know, and I think sometimes that passion can be confused for for egomania, I guess, but really we just love what yeah. we do out here, and we love that it could be a a benefit.
0: Reed, we love you, and we love the fact that you're part of the AccuWeather team and have been for many years, and uh, we love the relationship, and, and we're going to do more. I like talking about some of those things to get people in an idea of how what you're learning and what you're talking about can help them in a situation deal with their own tornado. Reed Timmer, thank you for being with us. Safe travels today and through this week, and we'll talk to you soon here on Everything Under the Sun.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I just want to say one more time how much I love AccuWeather. Working with you guys since 2015 has been some of the best years of my life. I've experienced crazy storms you know, atmospheric rivers, those hurricanes, the floods, the flash floods. So thank you. AccuWeather as well.
0: We love you too. Thanks. Thanks, Reed. Thanks for having me. Again, as this podcast drops on uh, Wednesday, April 26th, we're in the middle of our Tornado Week for coverage that's complete and has all kinds of information. I've just been going through some of the stories, survivor stories, uh, storm chaser stories, kind of a a, really a primer on where we are in forecasting and talking about tornadoes and where we see the trends going with tornadic activity. This is all part of our coverage of Tornado Week on AccuWeather.com, on our AccuWeather network, and of Across our media platforms throughout the country. We appreciate Reed, and we appreciate uh, my executive producers who work hard every day to get this podcast done. Our friends, Ken Prell and Andrew Robb, they represent the hundreds of team members who work hard every day, like Reed and us, to make you weatherproofing your life every day by helping you navigate these storms as we go through, whether it's a tornado, a blizzard, a really bad nor'easter, which is something that could happen in the early part of next week, some strong wind and rain along these. Eastern Seaboard, all of those things. We're always working hard to make sure that you're ahead of the curve using our AccuWeather apps, AccuWeather.com and our other great tools, including the network and beyond. Next week, we'll be back to talk about where the weather meets your life. Come for the weather and stay for your life. And we'll talk about it here on Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to, rate, and review Everything Under the Sun on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And of course, if you have an idea for a future podcast, just email us at accuweather.podcast at accuweather.com.